0: I invite you to open it to um, John chapter fourteen. John chapter fourteen. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there might be one just on the pew beside you, uh, or at the back, please grab one. We've spent the last number of weeks just considering who Jesus is and all that He means for us, and um, particularly all the things that we think about this time of year, how they can transform and change our lives. So John chapter fourteen, verses twenty seven, just one verse this morning. And as you turn there, let me ask you this question. Just think about it for a moment. What is it that's troubling your heart most right now? What is it that's troubling your heart most right now? What is the thing which causes you to turn your head on the pillow, to feel anxious, to be concerned? What is it that's troubling your heart most right now? Perhaps it's health issues. Perhaps grief is troubling your heart. Maybe family, your concern for children or parents or lack of those things is troubling your heart. Maybe it's work or being able to pay the bills or you're experiencing conflict with someone close to you. Maybe it's just a general, you just feel uncertain about the future. You don't know what lies ahead and it troubles you. Maybe it's past guilt or regrets that carry you carry around in your heart. Maybe you turn on the TV these days or read the newspapers and you think, really, is this the world that I'm in? All this conflict, all this division. Or maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you're just wrestling with your faith. You're asking questions. You have doubts which are troubling you. Well, John chapter 14 to 17 is a, a really significant part of Jesus' teaching in the Bible where he's addressing gently and with much love and concern the, the troubles that are in his disciples hearts the troubles that you and I still face today Judas is about to betray them Peter's about to deny Jesus Jesus is teaching them that if they choose to follow him if they choose to keep following him they will experience difficulties trials and tribulations and to top it all off he's told them I'm leaving you their hearts are troubled what does he do for them in this moment? What does he do for us in our troubles? He gives us peace. Not just any kind of peace. He gives us a peace that no one else can give us. He gives us an eternal peace, a peace that can cause our troubled heart to increasingly find comfort in the days ahead. Here's the offer of Jesus to you this morning. It is this, let not your heart be troubled, because I give you peace. First thing from John fourteen twenty-seven, Jesus says to us this Christmas, Jesus can give you peace. If you look down at verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Maybe just to step back for a second and say, why does Jesus need to give us peace? In some ways, it seems like a silly question because we look at our world, we we resonate with our own experiences, we think it often isn't peaceful, but why does he need to give us peace? Why do we celebrate the fact that he's described, particularly at Christmas, as the prince of peace? Well, because this world and our lives are not that peaceful. Peace really describes harmony, tranquility, safety, health, a lack of conflict, There is a time when there was that kind of peace back in the garden when God created the world but only a few chapters in we see lack of peace, we see conflict, we see strife between God and man, we see strife between husband and wife, between brother and brother, we see work become cursed and difficult, we see murder and death enter the world. A world that was made peaceful with no pain is now one full of pain and problems that you and I still feel the effects of today and are complicit in, if we're really honest. A world that was made peaceful is no longer peaceful. We see that, right, from war in the Middle East to incidents in our own town to conflict in our own homes. Have you ever asked why it's that way? Why is it that the world isn't peaceful? Why am I or my home or my relationships sometimes marked by conflict? Well, the Bible's diagnosis for that problem is sin. Sin has infected us and our world. Instead of peace with God, our first parents in whose footsteps we willingly follow choose to go to war with God. We choose to say no to God. We choose to go against him and rebel. The consequence, we stand condemned before God and our world is thrown into curse and chaos. But the good news of Christmas, the good news of the Bible, the good news of the gospel is that God, even though he would be just to leave us as we are, chose in love to make peace with us and peace in our world. Right when man first chose to reject God, he makes a promise even then to bring about peace in the world. And in Jesus, he fulfills that promise. And he had to do that. He had to send Jesus into the world. God himself is the one who lovingly initiates reconciliation between us and God and reconciliation in our world. But that peace doesn't come cheaply. We recognize that in our world. Peace comes with a price tag. Peace with God requires that the penalty for rebelling against him, for saying no to him, is paid. Peace requires the justice of God to, to be satisfied. He doesn't just sweep sin under the carpet and pretend that nothing happens. Peace requires repentance. All these things need to be done in order for reconciliation to take place. And in our sin, we can't do that. In our sin, we don't want to do that. The good news of Christmas is that God in Christ has done that for us. He's made peace possible. Colossians 1:19 to 20, which will be up on the screen for you, says this: for in him that's in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It's a peace that we can know personally when we turn from our sin and trust in Jesus. When we're at peace with God, which is the primary need for peace, when we're at peace with God, we no longer need to fear death. We no longer need to fear judgment, which is something we will all face. Jesus doesn't just make personal peace with God possible, kind of vertical peace. He also makes in his coming and in his death, he brings about a kingdom of peace. He makes it possible one day for our world to be the way it was always meant to be, to be a place of peace. King Jesus is bringing a kingdom of peace that has broken into the world, but one day will fully come and which we will experience, and which there will be no more conflict, war, pain, broken homes, chaos, or death. We look forward to that peace, that kingdom, in Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He will do it. One day he will bring about that kingdom. We experience it in some ways now, but we await its fullness when Jesus returns. So Jesus brings us a vertical peace between us and God, the most important one. He also promises that future kingdom of perfect peace, of eternal peace. All of these things lead to us now being able to experience in our hearts peace. How do I get that peace? How do we experience that peace from Jesus, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Micah 5 says that Jesus himself is our peace. It's not that he throws peace at us, it's that he himself is our peace. When we know him, when we're united to him, when we're trusting in him, he himself is our peace. Yeah, but Jesus isn't here. How can I experience that peace? Jesus doesn't just wave to his disciples. He doesn't just wave to us and say, Cheerio, all the best. See you on the other side. Hope you make it th- through okay. Hope it's peaceful. No, he cares deeply about us. He does everything he can to make sure we not just know about that peace, that we, but that we can experience it in order to endure through the pains and problems we still encounter. How do we experience it? Well, if you look just above verse 27, verses 25 to 26, through the Spirit of Christ, ministering, ministering the Word of Christ to our hearts. Through the Spirit of Christ, teaching and reminding you and me of the words of Christ, of the promises of Christ. Christian, do you know that Christ is with you? By His Spirit, that He is ministering to your heart, that he is reminding you of the promises that he's made to you. I can't hear him. Are you listening to him? Are you spending time with him? His peace is not some far-off ideal or concept that's impossible to experience. It's near because he is near. Believe him. Take hold of those promises. Fight by faith to build your life on those Things. If you're not a Christian here this morning, the Bible says that you are still an enemy of God. But Jesus came to reconcile you to God and bring about peace in your life. You can know that peace through repentance and faith. When you do that, Jesus will give you a spirit. He'll come and make his home in you. He'll remind your heart of who he is, what he's done, and all the promises that he's made for you in the future. It's a peace that can help you keep going in the painful present. It's a peace that will one day perfectly rule your heart in this world. It's a peace that can even help your relationships now to become more peaceful. For those who know Christ's peace become peacemakers and increasingly live peaceably with all so far as it depends upon them. If, you're not, if you already are a Christian here this morning, then you are at peace with God. You're at peace with God. If your heart is troubled by guilt or sin or doubt regarding your salvation, you have peace with God. It can't be taken away. And you can experience that peace through daily repentance and faith in Christ. And remind yourself daily that Jesus has secured on the cross a kingdom of peace that will one day reign and which you will be part of a kingdom which you're already a citizen of. Live for that day. Allow the, uh, the, the, the future that awaits you to drown out all the pain and problems that would, would speak to your heart and seek to speak louder than those things. And when you're tempted to give in or to give up or to look outside of Christ for peace and comfort, remind yourself that you won't find it anywhere else. You can only find it in him. The the world might offer you peace elsewhere, but it can only be found in him. That's the second thing verse 27 tells us. This Christmas, Jesus can give me peace, a peace that the world cannot give me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. One of the biggest reasons we don't experience peace in our lives or that peace seems short-lived is because we go outside of Jesus to look for peace. We look to the the world to give us what only Jesus says he can give us. What are the ways that the world offers us peace? Maybe perhaps you identify with some of these. Well, there's meditation and cultivating a positive mindset and finding inner peace, whatever that means. Maybe we seek peace through security, physical security, financial security, job security, home or health. But we know if we've lived long enough on this earth that those things are fragile. Redundancies come. Hospital results come in. Our homes can be flooded. Our homes can be damaged. All those things are fragile. Yet so often we bank everything on those things. Maybe we look to escapism for peace. We live from holiday to holiday. We turn to substances like alcohol and drugs. Maybe sport, video games. Maybe we just choose to isolate ourselves from other people because that's easier and we think that will bring peace in our lives. Perhaps we bail on our responsibilities and our relationships because we think that'll give our head peace. Or maybe we look to other people or to politics to bring peace. But people can never deliver peace. And even if they do bring about some kind of peace, it's never guaranteed, is it? Neville Chamberlain, British prime minister, famously came back from Munich in 1938 after making an agreement with Hitler and others and declared peace for our time. But just that next year, the world is plunged into war. No human being, no person can ever deliver the kind of peace that your heart longs for and that this world needs. No government, no kingdom of this earth can do those things. Or maybe you're looking to your relationship to bring you peace. Marriage, kids, family, friends. It's not that we shouldn't desire or invest in those things or enjoy them, but they too are fragile. They're often marked with conflict and disappointment. Perhaps one of the ways for you to discern where you're looking for peace right now is to answer this question. If you could press a big magic button in your life right now and it would turn out just the way you'd want it, what would it look like? If you could press that big button and your life would be peaceful, what would be the things that you would change or you would get in order to make it peaceful? Your answer to that question may very well be a good thing, God gives us good things in this life. It may not be wrong to desire or pursue it. But it's likely that the answer to that question is something that God does not promise this side of eternity to give you. And even if you get it, it's fragile. And it won't be untouched by the effects of sin and fall. And it may well be taken from you. And even if we get the answer to that question, Jesus tells us in John that we cannot avoid further hardships and trials and tribulations in this life. Sometimes we have this imaginary world where we think we can escape things, where difficulties happen to other people but they don't happen to us. Jesus says in John 16, in the world you will have tribulation but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus offers us a different kind of peace, a peace that deals with the root problem of all the unpeace we experience a solution which deals with sin an internal peace based on eternal realities not one based on changing circumstances in our lives a peace that transcends hardships disappointment pain a peace which enables us to endure until the day when that perfect kingdom of peace comes a peace that can actually comfort us now Jesus' peace, make no mistake about it, is not the absence of problems. That's the kind of peace the world offers us. Jesus' peace is not the absence of problems, but a peace that enables us to remain steadfast and joyful in the midst of them. How can his peace do that? Because Jesus makes and keeps promises the world can't. Jesus makes and keeps promises that no one in your life can ever make. Jesus' peace is not of this world, which means that it is immune to the changing circumstances of the world and it cannot be taken away from you by the world. So stop exhausting yourself, stop exhausting myself and your heart with the pursuit of peace that's rooted in life in this world. Seek the Prince of Peace who has come, he is your peace. Seek peace in him and not the things you hope he'll give you. Trust him. Believe in him. And let not your heart be troubled. That's the third thing that verse 27 tells us. Jesus can give me peace, a peace the world cannot give me, a peace that can comfort my heart. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So let me ask you again, what is it that's troubling your heart? heart. When Jesus says, let not, it kind of comes across maybe like a bit of a scold or a simplistic thing. Yeah, it's not, it's not that easy, really, is it? It might sound impersonal. It might sound impossible for you right now. To that, Jesus would say, it's not a scold. This is not Jesus scolding his disciples. It's lovingly encouraging them. It's not simplistic. Jesus isn't pretending here that we won't still continue to wrestle with this thing with peace until that kingdom comes but it is possible to experience it. Jesus is saying it's not impossible otherwise he wouldn't ask it of us. He wouldn't ask us something that isn't impossible that is that is impossible for us to experience. And finally it's not an impersonal plea. Who is it that says this to us? Consider that. The person who says, don't be troubled or afraid in heart, himself in John 13, 21 was troubled in his spirit. Jesus knows what it's like to be troubled in heart. He knows what it's like to be troubled. He was troubled in heart because of all that lay ahead of him here, all the things that John's gospel talks about. Our hearts can be comforted Because even though we will face trials and problems in this life, none of them will compare to the trials and the troubles that Jesus went through for us on the cross. None of them will compare to the betrayal, the arrest, the shame, the beating, the torture, the abuse, the piercing, the crucifixion, the death, and worst of all, the bearing of the weight of God's wrath and condemnation for us. Jesus is not a Savior who says, hey, let not your heart be troubled without knowing anything of that. He, in the deepest possible way, knows what it means to be troubled in heart. He's able to sympathize with your weaknesses, with my weaknesses. Do you think no one can relate to the trouble you feel right now? Jesus can. Jesus can. Go to him. Let not your heart be troubled does not mean it will never be troubled. It's a call for our hearts to listen and live by the promises that Jesus has given them and allow them to drown out all of our difficulties. And to find peace, we must address our hearts. That's what Jesus says. Let not your heart be troubled. Our hearts are at the center of all that we are, all that we believe, all that we desire, all that we love, all that we treasure. So for our hearts to be, and our lives to be at peace, our hearts must be at peace. Jesus offers us heart peace. He offers us a comforted heart. He offers us a changed heart, not a change in circumstances. So he gives us his words, his promises. He gives us his spirit, which is dwelling within us, in order to help us not be troubled. How do we actually pursue that? Peace isn't our default, is it? Trouble is. We must actively believe and trust in what Jesus promises us. Let not, we need to do something. We need to actively pursue that peace. Sinclair Ferguson, who's a a Christian minister and writer, says this What is the problem for the troubled heart? This the circumstances that threaten us seem bigger and stronger than our resources to cope. The circumstances that threaten us seem bigger and stronger. Than our resources to cope. I'm sure you felt that. That the trouble and difficulties you're going through in life just seem to outweigh all the resources that God gives us in Christ. You and I have to choose to draw on those resources. You and I have to choose to draw on the resources Christ has given us to cope, and He has abundantly given us what we need to endure and increasingly experience that peace. So, what are those resources? how do we actually fight by faith for that peace? Firstly, the promises of Christ. All the promises that he's given to us. Let me just read some of them from this section in John 13 to 17. Here are the promises that Jesus has given to you and me. John 14, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? You have an eternal home. He's written the end of the story. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He also gives us a helper. He's given us an eternal home. He gives us a helper. John 14 verse 16, and I will ask the father and he will give you another, a helper, a counselor, an advocate, a comforter to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 15:9 As the Father has loved me so I have loved you. He's given you a home, he's given you help. He tells you he loves you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He's given us everything. He calls us his friends. He loves us. He's given us a home. He's given us help. John chapter 16, verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. It will. John 16, 22. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That's the kind of joy he gives us, It's the kind of peace he gives us. John 16:33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's nothing in this world that can take away Jesus from us or the peace that he offers us. And finally, John 17. Jesus says to you, I am praying for you, verse nine. I am praying for you. He prays this for you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Jesus is praying for you that you would be kept, that you wouldn't be lost While I was with them, verse 12, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost. He's still praying that for you. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Verse 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. He's given us everything that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. These are the promises Jesus makes to us, eternal promises. Take hold of those, believe them, trust them, and know that the Spirit is helping you to do that. We fight by faith for peace by believing those promises and also by doing some of the things that Philippians 4 calls us to, primarily to pray. Philippians 4 will be up on the screen for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. There's one way to find peace in this life. Rejoice. Worship. Choose to say, I worship you, Lord. Consider all the reasons you have to rejoice. Rejoice. That's one way your heart will find peace because when we worship the Lord, we worship him for who he is, his character, and all that's true of us in Christ, and all that will, will be true of us. You will find peace too by reminding yourself, verse 5, that the Lord is at hand. He's not far, he's at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanks, thanksgiving that your quest be made known to God. Stop carrying your troubles. Stop doing that. Why are you carrying them? He offers to carry them things for you. Tag them to him in prayer. As the old hymn goes, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Get other people to do that for you if you feel you can't do it for yourself. And the peace of God, verse 7, tells us, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So often our hearts get bogged down in trouble and despair because we choose to think about those things. Think about these things. Think about what's true. Think about what, think about Christ. Take every thought captive. There's a battle going on in your heart and your mind to believe these things, to trust these things. Take every thought captive. Set your mind on the things that are above. Think on whatever is true. Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Keep your mind on these things. Choose not to believe the lies that your own heart and even the world will tell you. Verse 9 in Philippians 4 says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. Obey. Go about living out your faith. Don't isolate yourself. Choose to love. Choose to serve. Choose to rejoice. John 15, which I read a minute ago, tells us that we experience Christ's love and joy when we abide in his commandments, when we obey his commandments. There's a path to peace. Love, serve, serve give, speak. And then Colossians three fifteen to 16 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body. It's very hard to find peace on your own. It's very hard to find peace on your own. We are meant to find these things in Christ but with other people and be thankful. Another way we can find peace It's to choose to see all the things that we can be thankful for. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Fill your heart with the word of Christ and surround yourself, verse 16, with other people who will teach and admonish you in that word. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Choose to do that for yourself and surround yourself in the church family with worship, with singing, to remind your heart of all the things that you have to rejoice about. And do that with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Not pretending this is easy. Not pretending this is a a switch which you flick and your heart is all of a sudden peaceful overnight. Sometimes maybe we can feel that peace in a significant way. Praise the Lord. But the reality is that this peace is something we experience over time. There will be days when it is more troubled, but there can be days when we feel that peace more significantly. Choose to trust. Choose to believe. Fight for that peace. Do it knowing that Christ is with you, Christ is praying for you, and that Christ will keep you and bring you home to the home that he's promised to prepare for you. So what is it that's troubling your heart this morning? Let not your heart be troubled because Jesus gives you peace. Believe him, trust him, and receive it this morning. John 14:27: "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let me pray first. Father, I pray for each heart that's represented in this room this morning. Father, whatever our hearts carry. For some of us, it will be deep troubles. For some of us, Father, perhaps they're not, they're not feeling that troubled because um, life is a bit easier right now. We pray, Father, that even in those seasons, you would help us not to become complacent, but to seek the peace that you give us. Father, maybe we don't even recognize our need for peace from you this morning. Please convict us. Please help us to realize that all the things in this world, we would put our peace in are fragile. Father, thank you most of all for Jesus. Help us to receive the peace that he gives by the help of the Holy Spirit. In his name we pray.